Lord, we never want to take for granted the gift from you that this worship service represents to us, opportunity to get our focus off of ourselves and to focus on you and praise you, and then to literally bathe our minds and hearts in the promises of Scripture, the encouragement, the guidance, the warnings that we find there. And I pray that even as we now study this text, your spirit will give us the gift of encouragement to persevere for those who, in a very special way, need it today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Steve Farrar, in his book, Finishing Strong, tells of three great young preachers, Chuck Templeton, Bron Clifford, and Billy Graham. It was 1945. Billy Graham is obviously the one most of us recognize, and yet the other two in their own time were actually better known and drew larger crowds than Billy in the early years. In fact, many believed that Clifford was the most gifted preacher the church had seen in centuries. Five years later, Templeton left the ministry to pursue another career and later decided that he no longer believed in the claims of Jesus Christ. By 1954, Clifford had lost his family, his ministry, his health, and died an alcoholic at age 35 in a rundown hotel in Texas. And his last job was selling used cars. The point? In the Christian life, it's not how we start or how many times we fall. The thing God is concerned about is how we finish. I learned an interesting statistic that one out of ten who start in the ordained professional ministry make it to age 65. And this is true for the ministry of every believer. Many people in our society, believers included, are tempted to quit too early. We get shot down morally by liberal theology, discouragement, disappointment, disappointment with God, becoming obsessed with money, or just preoccupied with lesser things. Our text defines the Christian life as a marathon race with many obstacles, one in which there are many starters and few finishers. That's what Paul's trying to highlight here. And that's why the Bible talks so often about perseverance, about hanging on, about refusing to consider quitting even as an option. And I'm convinced some of you came to church this weekend ready to quit in some area in your life, in some area of struggle, in some relationship. So I want us to study what Jesus teaches about pressing beyond the quitting point and finishing strong, because that's what God, through his Holy Spirit, will try to communicate to us today. A first step in finishing strong is to develop what I would call a passionate, personal devotion to Jesus himself. The text uses the term to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's making Jesus a non-negotiable priority and authority in our lives. Our text says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us and let us fix our eyes on Jesus. I'm studying the early church in preparation for studying and preaching on Acts next year and I'm always intrigued by the spiritual power of that motley group of believers who in one day were cringing in an upper room, hiding, and the next day were out preaching so boldly they turned the world upside down. And, and I'm intrigued by the power. Where did they find it? 
And it's very obvious, they found it in focusing on the resurrected Christ who they knew and trusted and submitted to as Lord. Paul said over and over again in his books, we preach Jesus and him crucified. That's enough, that's all this church will ever preach. And to fix our eyes on Jesus then is to understand the infinite grace, the forgiveness, the power, the compassion, the mercy, the Lordship that preaching Jesus and him crucified gives to every believer. You see, that knowledge of our Lord's grace is what enables us to go beyond the quitting point and not quit. It, it, it's the power to get up again after failure even though we know we're not worthy. One of my favorite movies is Chariots of Fire. If you remember, it's the story of Eric Little. He was the Olympic medalist in the 30s who wouldn't run on Sundays. and uh, Just an incredible guy, an incredible Hollywood movie. Some time ago, a pastor showed one scene from that movie. It's a race in which Little falls down and then he gets up again. And I, I, I remembered it so well, I thought, I have to use it today because this little scene from this movie catches, I believe, the emotion Paul wants us to feel as we understand the Christian life as a race. So watch it because it vividly dramatizes this truth that we're in a race as Christians and it takes perseverance to finish. It begins with a race. Watch the urgency on Little's face as he runs. Not the prettiest quarter I ever have seen, but the bravest. I, I think there's something about that moment that we're going to hear from God someday when we stand before him and regarding the race that we've run. Scripture is full of stories of faithful disciples, not perfect disciples, not people who don't fall, but simply those who, after they fell on their faces, got up again by the grace of God and finished. That's what's rewarded by God. They persevered. Why? because they kept their eyes on Jesus and they appropriated his grace and his power. So failure wasn't fatal for them. One of the greatest blasphemies in the church, one of the 
great tragedies, I believe, of the inroads of Satan is to ever made us think that this Christian life is somehow a call to perfection. And that, yes, we were sinners, but once we meet Jesus, it all stops. And that we make the Christianity simply another law code of things that we must do to please God. Christianity never has been anything more than a story of God's grace for sinners who will always be sinners who have to every day get washed off by the blood of Jesus Christ and we get up again after falling over and over again and we finish the race by grace, not by our own merit or perfection. That's good news. Perseverance is a character quality greatly needed in our culture. That ability to go beyond failure, to, to, to hang in there when we have nothing left to hang with because we know that's what God wants us to do and to be. During the Olympic Games last summer, I reflected on the various stories of athletes who in order to compete, persevered through incredible hardship. Maybe you remember some of them. One of them dropped medical school. Another was working with an asthma condition with only 20% breathing capacity. Why? Because they wanted to compete and they wanted to finish. They persevered. That's why we like ath athletics, I believe. Last summer, while working out in a gym, I was impressed by a young man who came there every day. He was in a wheelchair suffering from a rare muscle disease that left him almost paralyzed. And yet daily, he would come and ro roll his wheelchair up to the Stairmaster and literally pull himself up into that uh, exercise machine, and he would work his slowly decaying legs. And his courage as he stood, stood there next to me just inspired not only me, but everybody in the gym because he kept going when 99 out of 100 would have quit. This is finishing strong. I believe as he watched those games in Rome while in prison, Paul the Apostle wrote these words, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training and they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. As believers, I want to remind us that the most important agenda in life is that we are in a race that stretches into eternity in following Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing we do in life, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, just for a moment, let me change the metaphor from a race to a mission statement. I believe to keep our eyes on Jesus is like making a mission statement of discipline for our lives one that will guide our decisions and govern our conduct and set the boundaries. One believer has adopted this mission statement. I like it. Don't mess up my marriage, my relationship with my kids, my integrity. Excusing his slang, you get the point. He wants his epitaph, he says, to be he didn't mess up. And I would add, he didn't quit. I borrowed my personal mission statement from Scripture. I'm not perfect but I'm bringing all my energies to bear on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ did for us. Not perfect, but accepting God's grace so that we run this journey and even after failure, we get up again and finish. That's what fixing our eyes on Jesus does. We find power not to mess up our lives. And to mess up our lives is to fall and quit, not to fail or fall. That's not fatal. It's when we stay down. That's fatal because we don't understand grace. A second step in finishing strong is to heed the warning in our text. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance that race marked out for us. 
The, the Bible is constantly warning believers not to play around with sinful desires that get us all tangled up. A good question would be, who or what controls our desires? What motivates our choices? What do you think about the last thing at night? What's the first thing you think about in the morning? Scripture gives all kinds of warnings regarding desires for money and pride and sex and obsession with power. These are distractions that can cause shipwrecks in our lives, that can keep us from finishing strong. Steve Farrar speaks again of shipwrecks, the most famous being the Titanic, which has come up for movies, etc. Remember on April 10, 1912, the ship Titanic embarked on her maiden voyage, and she was billed as the ship that God couldn't even sink. She had every kind of safety device and only 20 lifeboats for 2,200 passengers. Hitting an iceberg, she sank in two hours and 40 minutes. Her crew failed to acknowledge and to heed repeated warnings. For almost the entire voyage, the Titanic had been advised of ice conditions near her position. The tragedy of the wreck is that it could have been avoided. Looking back on our lives, I wonder what warnings we have failed to heed. What ones are we ignoring even today that maybe have caused us to quit too soon, to quit working on our marriage, on a diet, on a secret habit? I don't know where we have quit or where we're about to quit, but what warnings are we refusing to heed? As wise disciples, you see, God has given us all kinds of warnings about dangers. That's why we read scripture. That's why we come to worship and go to classes. So the Holy Spirit can have an opportunity to remind us and warn us so we don't have to have shipwrecks. The good news today, I, I want to tell each one of you, it's never too late to change course. And if we're playing around with hidden sin, allowing compromise in our devotion to Jesus, heed the warning signs before it's too late. And then there's a final truth in this text, and that is there's a reward for perseverance, for refusing to quit. Our text says, remember Paul saying this in Timothy, I fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. I really think there are two rewards, at least, for perseverance. One in this life. And that's the personal satisfaction that we get out of knowing we played the game according to God's plan, we fought the fight, we ran the race, sort of like Eric Lytle, as he, at the end of the race, fell down on the ground exhausted. But think how good he must have felt that he got up again and he had finished, rather than just lie there. It's, it's maybe it's like the sense that a couple feels when they've worked through all the obstacles of marriage through the years, but they refuse to quit, and then in later years, they look back and they're so glad they didn't, that they made it. But there is a second reward for perseverance, and that comes later in heaven, the scripture says, when Jesus gives us the crown of righteousness. Now, I don't really know what that crown of righteousness is. That's a, a metaphor. We do know that it's going to be the grace that gets us into heaven, though we don't deserve to be there. But, but you know, I believe the same God that made all things beautiful must have prepared something fantastic for those who finish the race. Now, I, I mentioned earlier, I don't know where you are in the race of life when you came to church this morning, but I believe some of you are here because you're at a real crossroads. Some of you may be dangerously off course or close to quitting. Maybe you've already quit somewhere along the line. I want to give you some good news. Jesus offers forgiveness and new beginnings 
no matter how we've blown the race of life, no matter how many times we've fallen on our face, knowing Jesus means like Eric Little, we can still get up again and finish strong. The only thing fatal is to believe you're defeated and to stay there. Refusing to accept the grace and mercy of our Lord that he purchased on the cross and he wants to give to you so you can get up no matter how far or how often you've fallen. Scripture says, and, and listen to this, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And I would add, never to be brought up again. That's good news. So the word, don't quit. Not yet. There was an article in the San Jose Mercury last month that maybe summarizes this message in a way that some of you can hear it. It's, it's using a secular context saying the same thing. Going to seed may be too vague an expression. Perhaps I should say that too many people somewhere along the line stop learning and growing. I'm talking about people who no matter how busy they seem to be have stopped learning or trying Look around you. How many people whom you know well are already trapped in fixed attitudes and habits? A famous French writer said, there are people whose clocks stop at a certain point in their lives. You don't need to run down like an unwound clock. And if your clock is unwound, you can wind it up again. Learn all your life. Learn from your failures. Learn from your successes. When you hit a spell of trouble, ask, what's it trying to teach me? You have within you more resources of energy than you have ever, have ever tapped, more talent than has ever been exploited, more strength than has ever been tested, and more to give than you've ever given. As Robert Louis Stevenson said, old or young, we're on our last cruise, and we want it to mean something. Well, if I could just add Jesus to that article as the power by which we could do that, then that article is our sermon. So, a week from now, and you're trying to remember, what did I learn in church last week? This is what I hope you learned. Remember, in the Christian life, it's not how we start or how many times we fall, but how we finish. Today, as the crowds cheered on Eric Little, you can feel the excitement as he was running that race, and they were shouting. Our text claims, and it isn't a Hollywood movie, it's the scripture itself said, the bleachers of heaven are filled with a crowd of witnesses urging and cheering us, yelling, don't quit. Even if you've fallen, get up again, finish the race. And remember, our God will be at the finish line giving you this reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for the relevance of your scripture. Thank you for your timing and entering our lives just sometimes when we're on a crossroads ready to take a detour. Use this message, I pray, to keep us on that finish line and our eyes fixed on Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.